Hello, from Adventurize, this is Venturing Beyond 9 to 5. I'm Ritu. And I'm Nimi. Thank you for tuning in to season 2 of our podcast. In this season, we will be sharing with you our conversations with experienced freelancers across all domains. Hear directly from our guests about all the valuable lessons, tidbits and tricks they have picked up along the way. And join us as we dive deeper into the stories behind the thriving freelancing careers they've built. By the way, if you're interested in accessing the ultimate freelancing toolkit and community, then check out our website, theadventurize.com. That is T-H-E-A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-I-S-E.com and join the Adventurize community today. Today, I'm very glad to welcome Manish Pandey onto the podcast. Manish is a highly sought after brand consultant and social media evangelist. He's on the leadership team of Josh Talks and has also become known as a respected mentor to several online digital brands and influencers and founders. And now Manish is co-authoring the book, Booming Digital Stars with Hash from Nani. And uh, he'll talk about this in more detail really soon. But welcome Manish, it's wonderful to have you here. I'm excited to have our conversation and share it. Thank you, Rimi. And yeah, I'm yeah. happy finally we're doing it. If you can like really quickly start off with a brief overview of your career journey thus far. I mean, it didn't start easy. I started really early in my life. I started when I was 11, 12 year old. I had to contribute to family because, uh, you know, we were uh, not economically very uh, well to do. So I, I chose to work unconventional jobs. Like I have taught tuitions to students. I have, you know, worked in factories in, in India. There are a lot of factories and, and, you know, the child labor thing is not, not that much. Now the rules are very, very strict. But it, when, when I was a kid, I, I was lucky enough. I would call myself lucky because if I wouldn't have done that, you know, it would have been difficult for the family to kind of take care of things. So after my 12th grade, I did join a call center, you know, BPO, outsourcing work from US, Canada and European countries is, is has been a friend. So joined that, learned a lot of stuff. I worked at McDonald's, you know, while working at Wealth Interest. Slowly moved towards digital marketing because by the time I was working in Wealth Center, I had uh, garnered a lot of skills of MIS, uh, data mining and all of that. So that helped in pre-sales for my, my digital marketing team. Slowly from there, because I was in a digital marketing company, my boss came and asked me if I would love to do social media marketing. And 2010 was one of very new period for India to get into digital and social. So I was one of the early guys to kind of learn from YouTube videos. Gary V was doing a lot of work in the US that time. Grant Cardin was doing a lot of work. So their videos on YouTube became my tutorials. I, I followed a lot of blogs like uh, Social Media Examiner, MOZ.com. Neil Patel was one of the leaders of digital marketing. Still is, I mean, so we learned from, from them by reading their work, by re- watching their videos and implemented all of those in, in whatever we're doing. And slowly things moved. I became part of a lot of, you know, chapters like TEDx. So I started heading social media for TEDx Gateway, which happened to be Asia's largest TEDx platform. That platform gave me a lot of exposure. I met a lot of cool people. They kind of heard my story. They kind of saw my, you know, capability. They kind of show my work and they, they saw that I could contribute to a lot of stuff. And then slowly from there, I went to Bangalore. I worked with uh, a digital marketing agency there and started doing influencer marketing without knowing that this is influencer marketing because 2015, um, was the time 
and the the term influencer marketing was not out there, right? So we used to just get things executed from people who had started their journey on YouTube or Instagram on Twitter and get exposure for the brands and do events, get influencers to talk about it and all of that. So that is how low-key it was and then it became mainstream later. And then, you know, slowly I moved to Reliance uh, Industries Limited. I started working with Captain Raman in, in the security venture. And my primary job was to coach people on how to do social media. So I was teaching the leadership team of Reliance. So uh, that was a great experience. By that time, Joe Stocks was also happening. I was already pro bono working for uh, Joe Stocks as a friend at the consultant type of thing. 2018, Shobhidan Supriya, they said that it's time I, I joined full time. In any which way, the platform that we were building, Joe Stocks, was for, for people like me, right? People who need an elder brother or sister or guide in their life. So I said, you know, it is it is more of a spiritual call for me to leave everything, leave a hefty paying job and and get there and, and execute it with the team. And that's how I, I became a part of Joe Stocks. After contributing four years, I, I understood that the team understood that, you know, there is much more I can do because I was also working with a lot of content creators side by side. Me and Ranveer, we work very, very closely. You know, we, we're building a project called Big Brain together. I have a contribution in Via Biceps. I have a contribution in Monk Entertainment, the talent management agency that is the CEO of. So this is how life panned out Nimi. Quite a monologue from my side. I'm sorry. No, but there's so many interesting things to dive into there. And yeah, I think one thing that I definitely want to hear about is time management mm -hmm. because that sounds like so much that you're doing. <laughs> Nimi, well, you know, uh, there's one thing I learned really early in my life. And it, back in 2015, uh, I had a manager, you know, he said that Manish, everybody has 24 hours in a day. And, you know, it is, it is enough. How do we map those times? And he, he taught me about time mapping. And later I read about it in Elon Musk's book also, right? He time blocks and everything, right? He, he works on time blocking, like he blocks five minutes, 10 minutes, everything, for everything. Uh, but unknowingly, I was doing that. So I do that, you know, and then, then it kind of um, became a strong validation when we heard from Elon Musk that he believes in time blocking and all of that, right? So I use Google Calendar. If you're not on my Google Calendar, you don't exist in my life. It's as simple. Right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm being very candid. It's upfront. I'm not, it's not rude. Don't take it in another way. No, no, it. this was the first thing Manish asked from me, like yeah. send a Google Calendar, right? Right. And I knew instantly. Yeah. And, and now I'm so dependent on Google Calendar that once of, one of my subconscious, my if, if anybody invites me for a breakfast also, if I don't put it in calendar, I forget. So I, I put it on calendar, right? And then my friends, they find it very odd. They say, it's a breakfast. You're my friend. You're putting on calendar. Exactly. Um, You know, People look at me and they say, you're very busy and all. But trust me, because I use calendar, I get four, five hours for myself. Every oh, day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I try to use calendar as much as possible. Like I've recently <laughs> discovered the value of it. And I'm sure so many freelancers and founders and content creators have all agreed that time is so precious. Like Correct. one of the most precious things, right? Yeah. I have a question for you. I've heard from other, you know, uh, sessions that you've done and events that you talk about taking each opportunity as it comes. And it, you kind of mentioned this again, when you decided to move away from a high paying job and take on something out of your own passion and beliefs. Yeah. And that's really important, right? You have to really believe in what you're doing. When you're a solopreneur or a freelancer and you have to be really conscious about how you spend your time and who you choose to work with, what are your thoughts about like holding yourself accountable for documenting everything and like really focusing on 
your ROI or return on investment of whatever thing that you're doing? That's a great question, by the way. It's very, very important to document everything that you do, right? So for example, you know, document your meetings, what you've discussed, because you do several meetings every day. You want to keep a track on who did you speak to? What did you speak to them? What's your to-do, you know, after the meeting is done? Any mentorship meeting or any consulting meeting that I go on, I do a brief exercise before I go to that meeting, right? I just go back to the minutes that I had from the previous meeting. What was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to prepare anything? Was I supposed to find answers to for, for something, you know, because they're coming and spending an hour with me on the call. So it's very, very important. And, you know, you create uh, SOPs for yourself, right? You create your standard operating procedures, right? Like, how do you go about things? Like, for example, if you see the, the whole setup that we are in today and we're doing this podcast, I, I politely asked you to send me an email. I wanted to read about it. I, I read about it. I went, I researched on the platform. I saw that you are helping a lot of, you know, freelancers, consultants to make their careers, to find them jobs. I said, hey, why should I not project? And, you know, if one person listens from this conversation and if they implement anything out of it, I think I think that's value earned for you and me both, right? So that was the intent. And this is this is how you kind of uh, take your calls, right, of life. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, I think it did. And you mentioned a little bit about like how you went into consulting and how you went into offering your help to others and, you know, choosing those opportunities wisely. And yeah, I also know from other events that you've attended that you don't consider yourself a mentor, so to speak. But I'm curious about your perspective of like, at least providing this guidance to so many people around you and especially to like people who are able to influence their network, right? So based on your experiences, what does it really mean to be in this sort of position, right? It's a, it's a, it's a good, good question to me. It's a very, very responsible position to be in, right? Imagine whoever is talking to you, right? Could be a young entrepreneur, a college going kid, uh, a kid who's coming out of the college and trying to do something, somebody who's already been in the business for 10 years, right? So you have different, different perspectives uh, from different, different people and how they, what kind of things they see, right? Um, what, what would. What would sound a silly question to anybody would be a very, very important life governing question for somebody else, right? So it's a very responsible position to be in. You have to be very mindful of what you say and how you react and, and, and how you take things. It's sometimes very, very overwhelming because imagine everybody coming and pouring their life sorrow on you, right? It can be professional sorrow, personal sorrow, and all of it. And then you have to keep yourself mindful and separate yourself uh, from, from the situation. The moment you have answered it or the moment you have kind of uh, given your advice, right? On the account of me not liking to be called mentor is because I think I think I have a long way to go. And I'm learning. It's something that we figure out together, right? It's it's not, it's a teamwork end of the day. If I and Amy, you know, if we're working on something, it's always going to be, you know, contribution from both the ends. So... So it's, it's, it's a cohesive work, right? Also, I'm not that old to be called mentor and advisor so soon. So yeah, uh, let me, let me keep it after, after a decade, you know, I, I'm happy to edit my LinkedIn and say, Hey, mentor. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I disagree with your perspective on mentor. I believe that, you know, when you're a mentor or a mentee to someone, you're both learning from each other. It's like in conversation, you can be peers. Like there's even reverse mentoring, right? So when the mentee, Yes. takes on the role of being a mentor right yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's all about sharing your experience and as you said before each question regardless of how small it may be to someone else it really matters to you so like depending on that kind of 
perspective and what you learn from it you're sharing your thoughts and your lessons and yeah so I believe like you definitely can count yourself as a mentor and so many people have found like value from having conversations from you and you know it really depends on each individual person and like whether their perspective will help you at that moment I can talk on and on about this, but yeah, moving on. I wanted to talk about all the content creators and the influencers that you've met, right? And you share so many stories about it in your book. So I'm wondering how you went from like meeting them. What was your introduction like? And how did you come to write a book about them? So so basically, you know, I I have been in touch with most of them uh, already, right? Like Ranveer, as I said, I'm working very, very closely. Bhuvan, I had been working just for the Dindora project that, that came out. Uh, you know, I've, I've spoken to most of them. Uh, some of them I, I had not spoken to, but I had kept an eye on and, and kept an eye on the, the kind of work they are doing, right? So everybody that we featured in the book has been in the arena of content making for at least five to seven years. That means they've spent a good amount of time making their online presence, brand, you know, credibility and anything that you want to call it. And, uh, you know, we wanted to do a 25 people storybook. However, maybe they were busy or there were a lot of things were happening because it was also a very brutal time in the country for the world, actually. The first wave, wave of COVID, right? And the world didn't know how to react to it. And me and Harish, we both, you know, said that let's do something productive in this difficult time because we're individuals locked at home and, and, and what, what we can do. A lot of exciting things were happening at the Joe Stops front as well. So I was doing that as well. And... It kind of took us 400 days in total from, from the thought that we had over a cup of tea to execute the book uh, when it came out uh, from the publication. Uh, so we would write emails to these content creators and, and the managers. We set up a meeting. We, we got on a Zoom call because everything was remote. We would, we would ask several questions, anecdotes that's not on the internet about their lives, about how they started, who supported them, a lot of good stuff. And then we spoke to their friends, we spoke to the family, we got out nuggets that's not out there in the internet so that, you know, it's not a duplicacy of content. After we finished documenting all of these, then we started uh, writing publication houses that, hey, we've collected some stories, would you like to publish it? And because uh, book publication and all was on a halt, right? Because COVID, I mean, nobody was buying books. Um, so even the publications were not taking a lot of risk with the new releases and everything. But... Uh, we were lucky to uh, meet Root and Freety, our publishers. They have a parent company called Lead Start, and, and their unit is called Pencil Invite Only Platform. And uh, they are a creator economy led platform. And the book that we wrote is on the creator economy, right? I mean, the, the first few pages speak about creator economy and introduction, what's happening, how big is the industry, uh, how much money is being spent, how are brands working on it, how are, you know, influencers working on it, a lot of those stuff. So, they jumped on it and they said that we want to do it. And uh, that's how we partnered and the book came out. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it's being received well. Last I was told was, I think, I think around 5,000 plus copies have been sold already. So yeah, I think, I think that's a respectable number. And obviously it has its own life cycle. So it will continue. So yeah, that, that, that. The that's book. amazing. Do you have a bit of a spoiler into the book? If not, I have a question about. Yeah, yeah, please um, go ahead. In the beginning portion of your book you talk about focus right the importance of focus and how you shouldn't lose focus because of other people's opinions could you talk a little bit more about this because we've talked about side gigs and other sources of income and pursuing multiple projects at the same time and that's also you know 
there's a lot of content that's been created about it. You see it all the time on social media, on YouTube, right? And it's quite difficult to manage. I think it goes back to time management a little bit as well. But what, from your perspective, having written the book, what are your thoughts? That, that's a very good question to me. I believe, you know, what happens is with the digital exposure that we have today and, and we watch a lot of content, one content leads to another. And what happens is you kind of go in a whole content, you know, Disneyland and uh, you kind of forget, you start taking yourself as a character of that Disneyland and then live that particular thing, right? Uh, what you forget is to action, action whatever you've seen, right? So for example, let me like break it down. For example, let's say you're doing a full-time job. Right. And your job allows you to do something else as well. I mean, it ethically allows for you to do something else. And let us say you pick up a hobby on painting and, you know, you are a great artist, maybe a digital artist and, and you are designing, let us say, paintings for other people. Right. And that you're doing after your job. So let us say your job starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. It ends by four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening. And then in the evening, after your dinner is done, by eight o'clock, you sit down with your paint and your brush or your digital art, a uh, bit of pencil, and you start, right? Now, my point is, uh, you should be then not thinking about your job. You should be only thinking about your, your painting that you're doing or, or art that you're making, right? So, so you block your time again. I mean, it again comes back to your time blocking thing. Like when you're doing your job, you don't think about oh, how I'm going to sell the painting. It, it's not important. You you know, you're being paid for a particular thing. You should completely dedicate your time. You know, you should be completely ethical and, and deliver what you're supposed to deliver in those number of hours. And and when you're doing your painting, you don't have to think about the job. You know, anything that you have to do, that can be done tomorrow. Right? So this is how you segregate yourself. At the same time, one of the most important things that I keep telling all the youngsters, right? And everybody for that matter is... Please understand what's your need and please understand that you're not entering a greed, right? Because money making can be very, very enticing, right? And you don't really know, you know, how much is enough, you don't know, right? You just want more, you just want to collect more, collect more. But my point is, you know, you're not calculating the cost of mental fatigue you're going through just to collect some bucks, right? And then you will be spending the same money to take care of your health. What's the point? I mean, let us say that to, to take care of yourself, say you need $2,000 a month, right? And if you're making $4,000 a month, I think that should be good, right? I mean, you're spending $2,000 and $2,000 you are able to save for later. If you do that, in six months time, you will be having enough money to sustain yourself for one year, even if you don't do anything, right? And obviously, I'm not saying that you should be ambitious. You should be ambitious. You should be making more money. But understand what's your need. And it's not entering into greed, right? If you keep that in check, I think everything falls in place. Yeah. So, and then it, it does not, you know, make you lose your focus Then you're focused on what you're doing and then you're doing justice to what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, I want to uh, point out again, that's such an important lesson, right? It's really easy to get swept away with the flow and, you know, keep yeah. making money and following projects in yeah. that direction. But to live a fulfilled life, all you need, you have to like know the amount that you need and then anything above, you just do it from your personal feeling. It kind of ties back into what you mentioned in the beginning as well, but like knowing the impact and prioritizing according to what your beliefs are. So then you can, you can pursue projects that really mean a lot to you and provide a lot of value. And I think I read a book that was like, couple years ago now it's called one thing mm, and yeah. you talk about having a single focus I think in the book it was very much singular but it's so important right having just 
this single-minded focus during the time that you're doing this task. And I think Elon Musk also mentioned about being able to switch between topics really quickly and not let it linger in your mind. I mean, yeah, that, that was a really interesting perspective. So thanks for sharing with me. And you mentioned a very interesting book. I think, I think Gary Keller wrote, and in the book he, he mentions, and I think it's a co-author research with somebody, the, the two people who wrote that book, right? And they, they wrote it from, from their experience, you know, of doing one thing at a time and how they kind of managed to uh, keep the teams improving from one step to another. And they incentivized the whole process of, of doing one thing. And they used to give incentives to people who used to do only one thing at a time. So yeah. Great book, by the way. Everybody should read it. One thing, a four-hour work week is a great book again to read. Uh, you know, Definitely uh, check it out. Actually, in that vein of thoughts, do you have any advice for new entries, like early stage content creators, freelancers? See, the other day I was doing a masterclass with, with our Joe Stocks team uh, for content creators and, and, and somebody asked me, what are the skills required, right? So whenever people ask, what are the skills required, they expect you to Come and say the hard skills, right? That, oh, you need to be good at speaking in front of the camera. You need to know the camera work, the editing, all of this kind of comes aside. You know, it, this can come later. I'll tell you what is needed first. You need to be ready with your mindset to go into a grain. Content creation is not an easy task. You know, it's, it is going to be a very, very difficult path. The first 200 days are going to be extremely uh, painful because you will make a video, you'll put it out, nobody will watch it. You know, you'll share it with your friends and after after some time your friends are bored of you because hey you share this every day come on <laughs> so it, it's gonna be very very difficult you need to be you need to have the courage to survive those 200 300 days right. uh, that's the first thing that you need second thing no matter what you need to be what's the word shameless you know in making and sharing it with your friends and family and whoever so you know you need to be utterly shameless in terms of promoting your content uh, the third thing that you need is a lot of persistence, a lot of, you know, showing up every day in front of the camera, no matter you are, uh, you have a fever or anything, if you're committed one video a day, you have to do one video a day. I mean, this guy is a great example, Nash Daily, Nash Daily, and then Abhi and you from India was also in, in the hard book, right? They're a great example. They did one video every day for like, I don't know, 300 days or 400 days. That's, that's a lot of commitment, right? Shooting, editing, publishing in the same day. It's crazy. I mean, I cannot think about it. Personally. Sorry, I get out of that. It's a lot of hard work. I mean, these guys are champions. They are like Avengers, you know, for doing what they do. So this is what you need. And, and then you need a lot of mindfulness. You cannot be creating anything and putting it up. You, you need to know your subject. Uh, you cannot be fooling around. People on internet are not, not fools. They know everything. So you need to be master of the subject. For example, let's say you're creating content on effective communication, right? I mean, you have to be a very good communicator yourself. You have to carry up a degree which kind of speaks about your communication skill and you have to learn new things you have to learn new art you have to learn new things and share it with your uh, with your audience right so these are the uh, basic skills that's required and then later comes your editing skill and your videography skill and your confidence in the camera and all of it that's later first you need to have these non-tangible things which is not seen but is highly highly important uh, for for content creation. Yeah, yeah. Myself and my co-founder Ruto were very much discovering that. Yeah. Like we're trying to put reels out there, right. but the amount of work that goes into like this short yeah. thirty second clip. Yeah. I mean, and then when I hear people, right, and they say, "Hey, I mean, you just come and dance for thirty seconds and you get likes," and all. I said, "Why don't you do it?" We have seen reels uh, that young kids today make, right? Gen Z. Uh, a lot of them are are my friends. We talk. Uh, I advise them and all. Uh, they, they do these reels in 30 seconds, they change 20 dresses, right? And I'm like, how do you do it? 
And then one day I sat down, I was in uh, one entertainment office and there's a very, very sharp girl. I really like her, her name is Tarvi. And she was doing her editing. And then I was sitting with her and I said, I sat there for half an hour. And I was like, Tarvi, what do you do? I want to see. And I saw that girl, 30 second reel. She edited for four hours. And she's like, Manish Bihar, you have to first put this frame and then you have to put this frame and then you have to, oh, oh my God. And you have 20 dresses that you have to change 20 times and then come in front of the camera and take that five second shot and go again, go back, change for five, uh, you know, and then come back and, you know, take that five second shot and go back. Imagine to change your dress 20 times and then come in the camera, shoot it, have that patience, then collect those footages, go edit, put a suitable music, do transition, do after effect. And then put it online and then and use proper hashtags, use caption, know the right time to post, push it in the right way. It's not a task, it is not 30 seconds, it's a lot, right? Yeah, like, everybody was doing content, you know? Yeah, it's not even just changing poses, right? you have to get the pose right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And then imagine you're in a home setup, right? Uh, you're in a home setup and suddenly uh, a whistle blows in the kitchen. Mother is trying to cook something. Or your dad is trying to cook something, you know? lot of things. I mean, life is not easy. It's very dramatic. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't want to go into it. That there's so much, high, like a lot of respect to content creators. And no. So I want to talk a little bit about brand consulting and like, what does it really mean? Can you elaborate a little bit? What happens is because see, because you have 10, 15 years of body of work, right? And you work with different, different brands at different, different times. You've seen those brands execute a lot of campaigns, uh, marketing, non-marketing campaigns. Campaigns that is, is for the team members, campaigns that's for the customers and all of it. So, you know, what you do is, is now when the new age brands come up, right? The startups and uh, the new ones, they always come to you and they ask that, okay, this is my product or this is my service. And how do I go about, you know, putting it out there in the market? So, so you understand the product, you understand what, why, how of it, uh, why is it created? Uh, what is it created for? Who will need it? And you break it down and then you create a campaign around. Then, then you think of a color that it should be. Then you think of a packaging that it should get. Then you think of a, you know, treatment in, in communication that it should get. A marketing campaign comes under. So this is what comprises for brand consult. When brands come to you and say that, I have this particular thing. I want to put it out. How do you go about it? So yeah, I mean, given my experience of working with various Brands over the times, right? I've worked with a lot of FMCG brands, worked with a lot of uh, corporates, worked with a lot of, you know, brands like which are in technology. Like I work with IBM, uh, Watson very closely, worked with Diageo very closely, clothing brands like Wrangler and, and uh, all of that. So given all that experience, I kind of, uh, I have that innate thing now that uh, when, you, when you leave a brand at me, I can design something for you. And if me and the brand, we like it, uh, I will mean, go ahead with it. That's how it works. Let's close off with if you can briefly talk about what successful content creators do correctly. The first thing that successful content creators do successfully is not think that they are successful. So that they keep working hard. Second is, is again the same same thing that I touched upon. What what made them where they are is their perseverance, right? Showing up every day and creating content without worrying about what kind of uh, response they are getting. And after they start getting response, they listen to the feedback very, very carefully. So I always, whoever I speak to, all the content creators, at Jewish Talks as well, we say that the comment section of your content is, is your university, right? Pay, pay attention to the comment section. What are your fans talking about? What are your followers talking about? Or what is their reaction to, to a particular content piece that you're putting out? 
um, listen to them, interact with them. It do not make it just one way stuff, right? Make it two way stuff. And, and so I think these guys have done that well. They have communicated with their audience. They've understood the pulse of the audience. They've put authentic content. They've made themselves a master of the subject that they perform. And, you know, that's, that's how they have been where they are. And I'm so happy that, you know, too many people are now coming online and, and creating content. So I think, I think we're entering a great space. Yeah, exactly. And like nowadays you have this op- opportunity to create communities as well. And the value that you can get from talking to other people in that industry who are like, like-minded to you and similarly ambitious. Yeah. So I think, I think we can wrap up. Manish, do you have any announcement that you'd like to share? Nothing, nothing at that to all the listeners. Uh, thank you so much for listening and please follow uh, whatever Amy is doing. Follow her, follow her on Instagram and, and everywhere. They're doing a great job. They're helping, you know, content creators, freelancers, uh, uh, consultants to upskill and, and get jobs and all of it. So that's a noble thing to do, Amy. Congratulations on that. I'm glad, I'm happy. I'm, I'm lucky that you invited me uh, to, to the platform and I got this chance to speak to everybody. And yeah, that's it. Uh, keep reading books, keep upscaling, keep upgrading. If you if you like stories and if you love content creating, check out my book as well. It's called Booming Digital Stars. It's on Amazon, Flipkart and everywhere. So yeah, that's that. Thanks, Timmy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Manish. Hey, thanks for listening to Venturing Beyond 95 with Ritu and Nimi. We hope you found this episode interesting and enjoyable. Please follow us on Instagram at adventu.rise and on LinkedIn at Adventurize. That's all for today. See you next time.